Hello, hockey fans, and welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHO Report. So glad that you've joined us today. Uh, Another great day, and we're just glad that you are here to talk about some hockey. Uh, Thanks for joining us. My name is Amy Johnson. I'm your host today and the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. And I am joined by my fabulous co-host every week, the editor-in-chief and founder here at Rocket Sports Media, and that would be Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, I must say, bienvenidos. It's happy Cinco de Mayo Day. Well, thank goodness we we weren't broadcasting on on May fourth because I I know what you would have been saying then and no yeah it just irritates me but anyway that's that's beside the point <laughs> instead you could have a a taco or a margarita and not a now very ill named Mexican beer um, which shall rename shall remain nameless. (laughs) So you can have a taco. You can have um, uh, any of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. A burrito. Burrito, maybe. Enchilada. A fajita. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or you can have a hoagie because it's National Mm -hmm. Hoagie Day. And to be honest, (sighs) before before you were brought on the the Rocket Sports team, I had no idea what a hoagie was. I, I, all I knew was that Bill Cosby used to talk about hoagies, and and I had no idea what it was. And knew that we didn't have them in Canada, but now I've figured out we just have a different, or or you have a different name for the thing no, no, no. that we correctly you... refer to. <laughs> you have a different name. It's a hoagie if you're... It's a submarine sandwich. It's, it's so... I won't say what it is. It's a hoagie. It is a hoagie. And Philadelphians and New Jerseyans, they know how to make a hoagie. Whew. Get some good ones. New York, maybe a little bit, but Philly makes some really good hoagies. Um, of course, if you're if you're a Flyers fan, if you're if you're listening, you know that the uh Pennsylvania debate, of course, if you're looking for a hoagie on the go is, do you prefer Wawa or Sheets? And that obviously isn't even a contest. I know, you know, I know. Wawa is an institution. If you say Sheets over Wawa, you're just, you should just be sent to a small island somewhere and live out your days. Um, Wawa is a place on uh, the um, North Shore route, the, 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 the highway north of Superior, uh, and the town has a giant goose in it. No, Wawa is the best convenience store gas station chain ever to exist in modern civilization. Uh, you can get everything from gas to coffee to turkey sandwiches to hoagies to slushies to anything your little heart desires, and it's delicious. Um I digress. Well, it's celebrate yeah, National Hoagie Day. It's also National Astronaut Day. And truth be told, when I was a kid, that I I had aspirations of being an astronaut, and uh, that was until I saw that uh, what do they call that the centrifuge thing that that you have oh, to go in that, to experience g the g forces and um, oh and really I, I, no that's not for me. I'll pick that's something else. No. 
I was when when the movie Space Camp came out in the eighties. I was just the right age that I was like, "Ooh, that looks like fun." And then I was like, mm, "A little too sciency for me." So, no. But it's <laughs> also National Teacher Appreciation Day, and of course, education was my field. Uh, just briefly, a teacher, but um, but right now is a great time to appreciate um, your t- your teachers uh, uh, teachers of your kids. And um, as they've had to venture into new territory, uh, trying to teach kids from uh, via video and especially challenging for those teaching at the elementary level, trying to <laughs> maintain their focus. Uh, oh, I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. Yes. Huge hats off to to our teachers everywhere, uh, no matter what level you are from from university all the way down to the little guys. Um and for that matter, to the moms and dads who are suddenly taking on more of the teacher role at home as they're suddenly mm-hmm. thrust into the fabulous world of homeschooling by no choice of their own, um, right. quick, quickly uh, appreciating what it is the teachers do all day, every day. So uh, hats off to everyone who is involved in any kind of teaching uh, right now and all throughout the year. We couldn't, couldn't, uh, couldn't survive without our teachers. Uh, it's, that's a lot of things for today. Mm-hmm. We got tacos, hoagies, and some learning. Oh, and I, and we can't forget today's, uh, giving Tuesday. Um, giving Tuesday is, is like kind of the one day where you're supposed to give, you know, make a donation to your favorite charity, those kinds of things, especially this time this year, it's especially important if, if you have a, a favorite organization, um, or cause that you like to contribute to. I'm sure this year more than ever, they are uh, looking for those types of uh, donations and some financial assistance. So whatever your choice is on giving Tuesday, uh, don't forget to reach out and support your favorite cause. Phew. That's a lot of mm-hmm. May. May 5th is a pretty, pretty good day. Good uh, we, it is, and it's a good day to talk about hockey as well. We've got plenty to, to discuss today. In the first segment, we're going to talk about uh, the Canadians and the Philadelphia, or, and the, yes, Philadelphia Flyers organizations. Uh, both of those organizations have made a signing in the last week. We're going to discuss both of those players. Um, we're going to very briefly touch on the ever-swirling rumors that n- not just that oh, yes, Gary Bettman still would like to finish the season, but that um, he really wants to have the draft, like, right now, like, tomorrow, if he could, I think. Uh, So we're going to talk just very briefly about the latest rumors swirling around about that, as well as give you an update on Oscar Lindblom and his progress uh, in his battle with cancer. Uh, In the second segment, then, we're going to go around the AHL, also provide you an update uh, there on when we might find out some news about the status of the AHL season. Uh, Some really interesting news that came out uh, last week regarding the the Charlotte Checkers and their affiliation uh, with the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, something that we actually had discussed on this, on this program months ago, right after the all-star game. So we'll get into that a little bit, as well as some commentary from uh, our good friend, Sylvain Lefebvre, former 
head coach of both the Laval Rocket and the St. John's Icecaps and the Hamilton Bulldogs in the, in the Montreal Canadiens organizations. Uh, he recently gave an interview with TVR and had some interesting things to say about um, being the coach of the AHL affiliate for Montreal and what that means and, and what player development in the organization is really all about. Uh, so just want to touch on those recent comments of his before we head then to the third segment where we go beyond the AHL. Uh, TBI has been busy with the, the former names associated with the Canadians as they also spoke with Zach Fucali, former goaltending prospect for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, and he also had uh, some, some things to say regarding his development process with the Canadians and the opportunities he did or did not have and uh, what he things of the current goaltending situation in Montreal. Um, We also want to touch on some announcements from the Wisconsin Badgers. They've handed out their end of season awards and uh, Montreal Canadiens fans, of course, know that that is the home of Cole Caulfield where he'll be returning again next year. So we'll uh, let you know who won their end of season awards. Um, And we may even have a top five to throw in there as well as, of course, a feel-good finale that we couldn't do without. So, Rick, we've got lots and lots and lots of fun stuff to talk about today. Wow, this is, a, this is quite a show. It's quite a show. It's packed. So, without further ado, let's start with those Montreal Canadiens, um, mostly because I need to get this name out of the way as soon as possible. Um, but the uh, Canadians did make a signing uh, just last Friday on May 1st. Uh, this was, and, and it was actually kind of surprising to see this name come up already because he was just drafted last June when we were uh, at the draft in Vancouver. And uh, that was that they had come to terms for a two year entry level contract with forward Arsen Hisamutinov. Um, yes, that's right. Hisamutinov. Phew, got it right the first time. <laughs> been practicing um so rick tell us a little bit we i mean he was just drafted last june he's already getting an entry-level contract it's for two years uh so what can you tell us about this young forward he is um he's a bit older than what you'd expect from a a player signing an entry-level contract a player being drafted last year he's already 22 years old he was drafted at the age of 21, after um, being passed over in a couple of drafts, and in the third time through the draft, he was taken in the sixth round, 170th overall by the Montreal Canadiens. Um, he is a player who attended their combine and uh, who impressed um, the Canadiens' uh, Russian uh, scout, and, and uh, they kind of see him as perhaps a, a late bloomer. Um, and so it was, uh, he, he's, he spent um, uh, some time in, in the Russian um, uh, Junior Hockey League. He spent some time in what would be the equivalent of the AHL in, in Russia and also a few games in the KHL. Um, he's, uh, he's got good size, 6'3", 200 pounds. Um, he's seen as an offensive player. He's got a great shot, good release. Um, uh, skating is is probably a little below average, might be an issue, um, but the Canadians want to bring him over and um, and let him um, 
join the Laval Rocket uh, next season and um, see what what he he can bring. Um, we might see quite a turnover. I was just having a look at at the Rocket um, uh, free agents. Uh, they have quite a list of both restricted free agents and unrestricted free agents going into next year. Uh, as far as the unrestrictive, unrestricted free agents, uh, Morgan Adams, Adams Moisan, Joe Cox, Ryan Culkin, uh, Yevpolov, Lacouve, Lamarche, Lynch, McEnany, Pelche, Veo, and also some players that ended the season uh, in Montreal like Willette. So um, this could be this could be quite interesting to see what happens to that roster and, and the Canadians are going out and, um, and they've added one of their own draft picks, um, a bit of a season draft pick. And uh, he should be joining Laval for uh, the next season when that begins. Excellent. It'll be uh, exciting to see what he brings uh, to the game for sure. Uh, the Flyers, on the other hand, also made a signing for themselves uh, this this past week. Um, they inked a one-year deal with right-winger Linus Sandin. Um, he is actually the brother, uh, if you're familiar with, Rasmus Sandin, who plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, that is Linus's brother. Uh, he was now Linus went undrafted. He's 23. As I said, plays right wing. He's played uh, his entire career in Sweden. The last three years he's played in the SHL, the Swedish hockey league. Um, in those three seasons, 143 games, and he had 38 goals, 28 assists. Um, and this past season, he posted new career highs in goals, assists, and points. Uh, and, also played a career high a number of games played at 51. Uh, his 19 goals led his team this past season and tied for third in the entire league. Uh, and so Chuck Fletcher's uh, Rick looks pretty, pretty excited to have Linus under contract uh, next season. He says, quote, our scouting staff has done an excellent job identifying him as a player who can come into camp and compete for a spot on our team right away. He works extremely hard. We expect him to add size, skill, and tenacity to our forward group. So, A, a huge vote of confidence right there from Chuck Fletcher that he expects Sandine to compete for a roster spot right away. Adjectives, you know, the, the skill and tenacity, that sounds like it's going to fit right in with the Philadelphia Flyers. I think this is a pretty exciting uh, signing for, Flyers, uh, for the Flyers and their fans. And once again, it's a it's a player who's had some experience, a bit older, twenty three years old. So um, he should uh, there shouldn't there, there'll be a bit of an adjustment to the North American game, but uh, he should fit in quite well. Um, a bit of offensive skill, but you know, coming from Sweden, he's going to be a, a, an effective two way player as well. Um, and uh, his junior uh, year, his junior hockey year in Moto, he ended the season with a plus 40 in 22 games. So, you know, this guy knows how to play uh, on the defensive side of the putt. Absolutely. Um, So those are, you know, it's exciting for the Flyers to, to see what he'll add uh, come camp, whenever camp for next season rolls around um, and, and what kind of, what kind of presence that he will bring for the Canadians uh, who's to need enough will be, 
interesting to see what he can bring to Laval and how quickly he adjusts to that North American game um, and, and what it is that, that he can do for the Canadians as far as their depth. Um, Some, something I'm just going to add and something we will probably pick up on in future weeks, but seeing that we're into the first week of May, that um, there's a June 1st deadline that's going to start coming into play uh, for the Canadians. And um, there are some unsigned prospects uh, that the Canadians have. Um, Cole Fonstead, Cam Hillis, uh, Alan McShane, and uh, Samuel Hood. And um, uh, those four of those four picks, because of the number of contracts that the Montreal Canadiens have already got out there, Mark Bergevin has kind of uh, signaled that he's only he's probably going to only uh, sign one of those. Um, mm. So that's going to be an interesting situation to keep an eye on, and and that we'll have to talk about. Um, and and not that not that they'll lose all those players. Uh, um, uh, these are players that they drafted. I I, th- I think let's say in a case like Samuel Hood, um, I there may not be a lot of interest if the Canadians leave him unsigned and then a plan for the Canadians maybe um, to not sign him to an entry level deal, but sign him to a Laval deal. And of course the Laval contracts don't count to the, uh, the 50 contract limit uh, that the organization is under. So um, that's, that's a bit of foreshadowing the things that we're going to keep an eye on, but, but uh, the, there are still deadline dates um, according to the NHL calendar and, and those unsigned prospects are going to come into focus pretty soon. Absolutely. Well, you know, another thing that's really coming into focus, particularly when, when we're talking about prospects is, you know, until now it's, it's kind of been the focus for the league has been on, uh, you know, Batman in the front office and, Fairly, uh, some players, particularly ones who are already playoff contenders or, or in a playoff position, some players and teams, uh, you know, the focus has been on how and when is the season going to be able to start again for them to finish the season or go right into the playoffs, get the Stanley Cup awarded, what that would look like, what that timeline would look like, what that would then mean for training camp in the fall and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, with the knowledge that the NHL draft that was originally supposed to be held at the end of June in Montreal uh, was going to be postponed Um, and in all likelihood postponed until after it's decided if this current season is going to be canceled or finished out. But now Rick, particularly with, you know, those, those talks are still going on about how to restart the season again but now it's come way to the forefront of particularly now that the NFL has pulled off a pretty successful virtual draft, almost technical glitch free as far as the television coverage, all of the buzz it created, all of the, you know, just being relevant again. Gary Bettman obviously now very badly wants to be relevant again with the NHL and is pushing pretty hard to not only have the draft in June, but to move it to early June, um, which quite frankly is like we're looking at in a month. Um, This of course raises a ton of questions, a ton of logistical issues. 
Um, and for a while there, we kind of thought, well, they're not seriously going to try to do this. I mean, you can't, what, what does that do for the draft lottery? You don't even know what the playoff seating is. You don't know what the seating is for, for the end of the season. Um, there's two, that's just too many unknowns. They're not seriously going to do it, but now it seems like they're really pushing for this. In fact, we thought as of yesterday, we thought the board of governors was going to have a decision today and an announcement to make. Uh, but after a conference call with Bill Daly and Gary Bettman with the board of governors yesterday, it looks like that's been, been pushed back a little bit. So what's the latest there and, and where does this look like it's going? Well, this is going. Uh, it it yeah. <laughs> seems that, that that many teams are resigned to the fact that this is something that Gary Bettman wants, um, and uh, something you know that came out as a suggestion. But um, that the, that that word suggestion is in in quotes, and and uh, this is something that he is driving. Um, and you know, there's been pushback from. Governors has been pushed back from general managers. There's even been a little bit of pushback uh, from the players. But um, at, in each case, um, Gary Bettman moves forward. Um, they've they've uh, set up their return to play committee uh, with the players uh, between the NHL and the NHLPA. They're already going to have their fourth meeting uh, tomorrow. That is Wednesday. Um, and uh, as you said, uh, there was a board of governors meeting or, or um, a teleconference uh, yesterday, another one scheduled for the end of the week. And, and this seems to be uh, moving right along. Uh, Bill Daly sent out uh, on Friday uh, uh, kind of how it would work, um, a, a document that advising teams on how an early draft would work and, and how um, – um, they would be seated, um, and and it's according to winning percentage, if you're wondering, um, and how even um, you know the conditional parts of trades would work, and so they've they've kind of been ironing uh, things uh, out as they've get gotten pushed back, and and um, yeah, it looks like this is this is going to be going ahead. There's some teams that still aren't um, excited about it, but then you hear, um, you know, Kyle Dubas and, and uh, Shanahan and, and the Leafs have said, we're staying out of the politics of this. Just let us know we're preparing as if this is going forward because it sounds like, like it is. So, um, you know, it's going to be advantageous for some teams, um, a disadvantage for some others, probably a disadvantage for the Montreal Canadiens given mm-hmm. that they they have so many draft picks that they were hoping to be able to package. Also, we heard that uh, Mark Bergevin said he was um, postponing some of the trades that he was considering at the, um, at the deadline, thinking that, that he could uh, cash in more. There would be more um, uh, uh, buyers uh, when it came to, to the draft. So that would probably, uh, because we're not going to see as far as I can understand uh, trades going on at the draft. So right. probably a disadvantage for, um, for the Canadians. And then you have Cliff Fletcher that, you know, is probably going to draft 26 and, and is wanting <laughs> to go uh, the fantasy route into a snake draft. So um, a nice try, but, but 
I don't think. Hey, I'm all on board, Chuck Fletcher. You get yeah, that right. snake draft. You get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine though? I mean, I, I, I get it. There was a, there's been a ton of excitement with the NFL having their draft. We talked about it here on this show. Um, but to, to push the NHL draft now, when you haven't even decided if, if the season's going to finish yet or not, just seems um, like a desperate play for attention. Um, it, as you say, it, it puts teams in kind of a, a severe pinch because of the limitations that, uh, that this type of draft would bring. Um, you know, there are some who are jumping up and down about it because of the, the implications are, are more advantageous, as you said, but there are going to be others that are at a disadvantage. Mark Bergevin did everything in his power to stockpile as many picks as he could, knowing that he was going to be drafting in front of a hometown crowd this summer. Um, now it's looking like he's going to be stuck picking all of those draft picks. Um, and can you imagine a draft without trades? I mean, eh, that's no fun. <laughs> that's well, no and, fun and at that, all. That begs the question, can you have too many draft picks? Yes, of course you can. We, I, I just mentioned that uh, a little earlier, that there are four uh, Canadians draft uh, picks that they can't sign all of them uh, from you know, picks from previous years. They can't sign all of them by, by June and are going to lose some. So can you have too many? Of course you can. Um, mm-hmm. But this is, I, I mean, Gary Bettman is salivating over what he saw. We, we talked about it before. The NFL draft drew, drew a record crowd, 15 million um, viewers. And the thing is that the NHL isn't the NFL. Um, and no. uh, if you mess with the, the, the draft that are, if fans are going to be upset about the draft in some way, you're not going to get the same attention. Uh, and as, as we saw with the CFL draft um, last week, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it didn't, it actually, it, it drew more, more um, uh, of an audience than had watched the, uh, the draft last year. Uh, I think it doubled the the viewership, but it doubled the viewership in Canada to 73,000 viewers. Well, almost a million people in Canada watched the um, NFL draft on Canadian channels. So um, it, it, it just crushed the CFL. Um, so, it, you know, a draft is not a draft is not a draft kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and Bettman's going to have to get this right. He's going to have to have the support of the, the teams and the, and the board and the GMs um, before uh, he goes into this. Otherwise it's, uh, it's not going to get what they're after. And that is um, attention um, from sports fans. Right. Yeah. I mean, we all know the old PR adage, um, you know, even, even bad press is at least press, but um, you know, with, with things still up in the air for this season, I know Bettman wants to, you know, he he saw that Goodell had a pretty good um, feedback from uh, about this draft. I think he's looking to do that. And as you just said very correctly, a draft is not a draft is not a draft. Not all drafts are the same. And he could end up getting some pretty negative 
press about this. Um, you know, would it be uh, sure? Would it be fun to actually, you know, to to have something new uh, to cover and and with a little bit of normalcy that it would take place in June like it normal? Sure, but again, um, I I do like that. Um, you know, as far as even returning to the season and so forth, the Bill Daly did say. Um, we need to make the correct decision, not a quick decision. Um, and so I'm glad that we didn't have an announcement today. They're going to sit on it, it seems, for another week, and we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, they all, Gary Bettman also needs to keep in mind that he's going to need to give the NHL the draft production team. And so the the logistics for this are going to be enormously different than a typical draft and they need time to be able to plan for that. The teams need to be able to time to have time to plan for that. Um, So we shall see what happens. Maybe we'll have news next week. Who knows? Um, One other bit of news that we do have to talk about uh, that came out last week that I just wanted to share because we like to hear good things Um, And Oscar Lindblom has been in everyone's um, thoughts and prayers around the hockey community ever since he was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma uh, early last, early this season. Uh, He's been, he has stayed in Philadelphia for treatments uh, at the university of Pennsylvania um, and, you know, has been seen in the Wells Fargo center um, throughout his treatments and so forth. Well, it just came out, uh, Last week, uh, the Flyers assistant GM, Brett Flair, uh, was was doing some press and said that uh, was happy to report that Oscar Lindblom is going through his last treatments already um, and that everything that he'd been told from Jim McCrossin, who's the team trainer, is that everything's been very positive. He says, quote, he feels great considering the condition he's in. He's such a great kid and he's determined and his focus is to play as soon as possible. Um, did state that still not known yet if Lindblom will be able to play next season, but that uh, he looks terrific, um, still smiling, doing cardio as much as he can. Um, and that uh, Flair said that Lindblom's doctors have told Oscar Lindblom that quote, it couldn't, the treatments quote, couldn't have gone any better for him. So that is some very encouraging news. Uh, Ewing sarcoma is, is, a very rare form of cancer uh, and uh, doesn't always have a great prognosis uh, rate and survival rate. So to hear that his treatments have gone exceptionally well, uh, the medical teams at the university of Pennsylvania are, are known to be some of the best in the country. So he's definitely in good hands there. And Rick, it was just, it's very great to hear that he's finishing up his treatments and that things so far have been going quite well in his treatment plan. Well, we've, we've kept an eye on him. We've watched him uh, since he attended the very first development camp uh, with the Flyers and, and uh, have, have seen him play um, with the Phantoms and, and, um, and improve uh, every year. And he was having a great season um, when he received that uh, terrible news, the terrible diagnosis. He was tied for the um, uh, team lead in goals. Um, so, and and there was that line in the article about um, it's unknown if he'll be able to play next season. Well, well, that was um, uh, 
I saw that as very positive because when this diagnosis came down, we didn't know at the time if it was life threatening, if it was career threatening, if he'd ever play again. Mm -hmm. And, and given that it's, there's a question, um, you know, that he might play again sometime in the future, maybe not next year, but um, sometime after that, that's that to me, I would, I would see that as very positive news. Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, while all of us would love to see Oscar Limbaugh black back on the ice, I think I think we all just agreed. Let's just see him get healthy and beat this. Um, but as you say, to already be be saying um, and, and hearing things like, "Well, we don't know yet if he'll be able to play next season," instead of just an absolute, "Oh no, next season's out of the question." That's that's really tremendous to hear. And we certainly hope we see him back on the ice again soon. On that note, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go around the AHL. We did just talk about uh, the plans that the NHL is making about their season. What about the AHL and its season? We're going to give you uh, the latest uh, rumblings on that, as well as talk about uh, kind of a sticky situation now that's really coming up with the Charlotte Checkers and their affiliation with Carolina. So don't go anywhere. We're going to be back right after this. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. For all the latest news, Interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. Welcome back to From from the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And we would like to invite you to follow us on Twitter if you're not doing so already. Uh, Give us a follow at the AHL Report. That's the place to go for all of the latest news, updates, uh, links to our website content, links to our YouTube videos, all of those great things that come out uh, all year round uh, and including right now, even though we're on a pause with the hockey season. Uh, So be sure to follow us at the AHL Report. Uh, speaking of that pause on the current hockey season, Rick, uh, you know, we've, we even spoke about this a bit last week about how um, the mayor of Belleville kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit by making a, a video announcement from the CAA arena where the Belleville senators play uh, saying that he believed that it would be coming out soon that, uh, that the AHL season was going to be canceled. Uh, and so that started plenty of, of chatter uh, league-wide as to whether or not uh, that would happen. Um, 
and we even spoke in depth about how, you know, the AHL with, with being such a, a gate driven league does not have the, the broadcast revenue that the NHL does that, that sustaining this season and, and potentially there's risks for next season as well uh, to be financially secure uh, that it wasn't too likely that the AHL would be able to continue the season. Now it looks, Rick, uh, that uh, we're kind of hearing some rumblings that there's a that we might actually get some firm uh, reporting on this, possibly by the end of the week this week. I, I think so, and I, I think that um, it'll be um, it's it's going to be difficult to hear that the the season has been canceled, but I think it's inevitable uh, for the mm-hmm. AHL as we've talked yeah. about, and it will probably come as relief to uh, many of the players um, so that they can start focusing on their summer, start focusing on their training, and and uh, look to next year. Although, um, depending on how the uh, it is that the NHL comes back. Uh, some of those players may be needed by their their club teams, their NHL teams, mm-hmm. um, as um, as if especially if um, the teams are asked to play out the strength, play out the the remaining regular season games. Um, but I, I I think we're gonna we're gonna find out for sure um, and hear the news that we're all expecting uh, by the end of this week. Absolutely. Um, Pierre Lebrun was even reporting that the, the AHL Board of Governors is, is expected to have a call uh, by the end of this week. So kind of goes hand in hand with that. The other thing, you know, you, as you say, it could be a, a relief for players who are, you know, just want to start concentrating on their summer training and, and get themselves, uh, try to do what they can to start getting themselves in shape for next year. The The players that this will be interesting for are those who are in a contract year, um, you know, who, who didn't get the opportunity to finish out a season or show off to potential uh, other teams in a playoff run. Um, so that will be certainly a factor in the forefront of those players' minds that, uh, you know, however they performed for the three quarters of the season that they were able to play is going to have to be good enough Um either to win a contract back with their current teams or for their agents to go out and, and, and find them a contract with a new team. So it'll be, it certainly will be interesting to see how that plays out um, this year. Well, and I I mentioned uh, with respect to Laval, I I mentioned uh, the unrestricted free agents, but what you just said, it's a good point and also applies to the restricted free agents um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Joseph Blandisi and, and um, um, Jake Lucchini, players who came over uh, part of the season become a restricted free agents. Have they done enough to uh, show the Canadians management that uh, they deserve a qualifying offer? Um, there's, you know, Andrew Sturtz is another, um, mm-hmm. Anton Wakehead. Uh, there's, there's quite a few that are uh, from Laval that are going to be uh, in that position of being restricted free agents. Absolutely. So we'll keep an eye on that. It's uh, it'll be certainly will be a very different off season uh, once we finally officially get into it. Another thing that's going to be quite different uh, for whenever the AHL comes back, and we we spoke about this at length uh, after after the All Star break and Dave Andrews uh, state of the league address. In fact, we had our, our good friend 
Patrick Williams on the show around that time to give us his thoughts on on Dave Andrews' State of the League address and things that were discussed. And one of the things that we talked about with Patrick at that time uh, was was you know there was all of this rumbling about what was Las Vegas going to do. You know, currently they were uh, had the Chicago Wolves affiliated with them uh, since their since Las Vegas's inception. Um, and then it came out that uh, the San Antonio Rampage, uh, Las Vegas went ahead and bought the rights to the San Antonio Rampage out of nowhere, uh, meaning that the San Antonio Rampage were going to be picked up and moved out of Texas and moved uh, to a local rink in Las Vegas for the Vegas Golden Knights to have their AHL affiliate um, have their home base be geographically very close uh, to the Vegas Golden Knights. So then that leaves San Antonio and a, and a, a well-embedded, well-attended fan base, enthusiastic fan base without a team. That also then puts the Chicago Wolves up for grabs because the Chicago Wolves then, that affiliation with Las Vegas would end. And at the time, there was some speculation. Okay, who's going to take, take the Chicago affiliation? Um, and some people said, you know, f- geographically doesn't work out, but Florida perhaps. Um, and there were some rumors at the time that uh, it, we, we heard some rumblings that Carolina might be interested. And, and, and the general consensus was, well, why in God's name would Carolina be interested? Uh, geographically, it doesn't make sense. And they've got what seems to be a great affiliation with the Charlotte Checkers, which are pretty darn close to Raleigh. Uh, so they're already geographically well situated. And that kind of went away as, as, as that news settled down. Well, something is obviously in the works with Carolina and the Chicago Wolves because out of nowhere, last, at the end of last week, the Charlotte Checkers put out a public statement on their website and Twitter page on the, on the quote, status of our NHL affiliation and came out and said this, quote, while we are aware that the Carolina Hurricanes are nearing an affiliation agreement with the AHL's Chicago Wolves, the Hurricanes have had little dialogue with us regarding this matter. In an era when NHL teams are placing great value on affiliations with closer proximity between the two clubs, we understand the confusion that such a move would cause. We will explore other options for our affiliation and look forward to continuing in the American Hockey League when play resumes, end quote. Rick, that sent shockwaves across AHL social media. I mean, that was, it's, it's a blunt statement. It's, um, it was surprising to hear them basically out the hurricanes for being close to a deal with Chicago. And we've not heard anything since, Uh, but also to say that Carolina hasn't been talking to Charlotte at all about this, Um, leaving Charlotte kind of out in the cold and saying, okay, well, I guess we're going to have to come up with a backup plan because Carolina might jump ship. Um, My goodness. uh, What, what a, what a different scene this would be. Yeah, I, I wish I I was able to make some <laughs> some sense of this. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure that I can. Um, yeah. Uh, let's remind everybody that the Charlotte Checkers are the reigning uh, Calder Cup champions, um, and um, 
they were in a playoff spot uh, in the Atlantic division um, uh, this season. Um, you know, they were having, uh, I, I thought, okay, maybe, maybe it's an attendance issue. Uh, we, we know that the, the Chicago Wolves are one of the more popular teams. Um, and uh, so I, I thought, okay, I'll, I'll run over and check the, um, the, the stats on that. Well, um, the Chicago Wolves are seventh, um, which is good. Uh, 7,200 um, average uh, attendance per game. Uh, but the Charlotte Checkers are ninth uh, with only the Lehigh Valley Phantoms in between. Um, and they have 6,600 fans a night. They have a good fan base. They have a strong mm-hmm. a- attendance record. Uh, it's not that. Um, now, listen, proximity isn't everything. Um, it right. is. It does seem to be where, where um, uh, many organizations, uh, certainly uh, the Canadians and the and the Flyers have moved uh, to have uh, their 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 teams within close proximity, so that player movement is facilitated much easier. Um, but as we've seen in 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 Laval, um, it's put additional pressure. It was much better uh, for development for the development right. of players uh, when the players were in St. John's um, much, much better. And there's, there shouldn't be any debate about that. Um, the, the fan, the additional fan attention, the additional media attention has shifted the focus in Laval from um, a development to, to winning. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that's been, that's been obvious and that's not necessarily what you want. You you look at an organization like uh, Vancouver and why in the world do they have their affiliate in Utica? Um, and it's because they're in a, in a ho- hockey hotbed for um, AHL hockey with a passionate fan base. And mm-hmm. uh, they want their pro- prospects to be involved in uh, a really competitive environment, which um, Utica is and, and, and that division is. Um, so, you know, are, are those the kind of thoughts that are in mind? I don't know. Is it a, is it a financial arrangement um, that's going to be different? Well, well, we'll wait and see. But certainly uh, it's, it's unfortunate to hear that, that Charlotte hasn't been part of the process uh, yeah. with the Carolina Hurricanes. That's, that's a little disturbing. It is. Um, and as you, as you reminded everyone, particularly with Charlotte being the defending Calder Cup champions. Uh, You would think that Carolina would have a bit more respect for the organization that for the, for the, their affiliate team who brought a championship to their organization in less than a year ago. Um, Does that mean that there's, you know, a relationship breakdown between management there? We don't know. Uh, As you say, is it doesn't seem like it would be an attendance issue. Um, It's it's raised a lot of questions, and as you say, not many answers have been offered yet. Um, But this just the fact that it came out of nowhere, and I think just the fact that Charlotte basically said because I I think as this rumor started to swirl they were likely getting inundated with with anxious questions from their fan base who just saw San Antonio's club get ripped away from them 
you know, is the same thing going to happen here? Are we going to lose our hockey team? Um, And so obviously Charlotte felt it necessary to put out a statement saying, um, we hear that this is happening. We haven't been part of the conversation. We understand that this would cause a lot of confusion um, and we're, we'll do our best to make plans and, and look forward to playing again soon. Um, So it'll be, this is something that we will certainly uh, keep tabs on. Um, Chicago has been quiet. Carolina has been quiet about it. I imagine they will be so until an agreement is made. And, and then when it becomes official, then, then everything kicks into high gear. But um, it's so not only as we, as we were just saying, not only will the off season be different for players, but the off season's looking to be a bit different for some teams around the league as well. Um, and the league is going to look different next year. Um, new teams, new locations, new affiliations. It's, it uh, looks to be quite a shakeup. Um, speaking of, of, you know, you, you were just talking about how, um, you know, development, how important it is for the AHL affiliate uh, and how different teams' outlook on development uh, sometimes feeds into where, where their affiliate is located or, or, or what kind of environment is important for their developing players and, and mentioned how development has suffered a bit. Um, now that Montreal's team has moved to Laval uh, when they were in St. John's, when they were in Hamilton, they were a bit farther away from prying eyes. The media wasn't as was, was hardly a presence. Um, we know that firsthand. Most of the time we were some of the only media there. Um, through all of those years. Um, And while some will likely argue that Joel Bouchard being as camera facing as he is and loud as he is and very vocal as he is, some will say, will try to argue that he has done a better job at developing uh, prospects. Um, I'm sure Sylvain Lefebvre would beg to differ. I'm sure a lot of Sylvain Lefebvre's players would beg to differ as well. And interestingly enough, Rick, uh, you brought this to my attention that, that Sylvain Lefebvre recently did an interview with TVA, um, with TVA Sports, and you know talked a little bit about his time with the Canadians and and now his time. Um, you know, he's an, a, an assistant coach to to Kevin Deneen with San Diego Gulls, the the Anaheim Ducks AHL affiliate. Um, but he also had some interesting things to say about um, what it means to be a coach in terms of coaching an AHL team and having to make decisions many times in the moment during a game. And those decisions have to be split between, am I looking for the win or do I need, or do I have an opportunity to put a prospect, a developing player in a situation that's going to help his development and it may not work out in this game to our benefit, but will the experience benefit him? Can you t- tell us a little bit about about what Sylvain had to say? Well, it's it's interesting. Um, Sylvain Lefebvre is, you know, um, uh, Canadians fans should know he's he's a, a Stanley Cup winner, um, and uh, uh, when with the team, I. Uh, you know, because he was in Hamilton, because he was in St. John's before coming to Laval, there wasn't a lot known uh, about him. He wasn't one um, to 
uh, run for the microphones and run for the cameras and, and uh, put his face out there. He always stood behind his players and, and he was focused on development. Uh, that's the, the mandate that he was given um, uh, by Mark Bergevin and, and that was his focus. And, and I think, um, you know, he was under a little, a, a, a much tighter uh, restrictions. Much of the, many of the decisions were being made um, at the um, manager level rather than mm. at the uh, head coach of, of Hamilton or Laval level. And, and that's been, conf- we've seen that, but that's con- been confirmed by people within the organization and by former players that we've talked to. Um, but, you know, one of the things, and, and, and we know that when uh, Joel Bouchard took over his rookie season, uh, his, his rookie season as a pro coach, um, his famous quote, and I'm going to paraphrase, was when you win, you develop. Winning is everything. And, and he mm-hmm. made a real shift to uh, winning. Now, that didn't necessarily work out with his first season. Um, Laval was 27th in the, the league um, in the AHL this season, uh, a little bit better at 17th, but still not, uh, a playoff team. Um, and we've, it's, it's, it bothers me when, when we're at games or when you see games on TV and, and Chris G will know this and you know this, that I always complain about face-offs. Um, Mm -hmm. and when Ryan Paling was sent down to Laval, I was like, why is it Ryan Paling? taking his face well Joe Bouchard said no I I I only put him out there on his strong side I I, I don't let him take any weak side um Bezos. why not why not that's going to um, help him earn an NHL spot of course what's the use of bringing in Kevin Lynch to take uh strong uh, strong side faceoffs or important faceoffs on the penalty kill or or late in the game um, face-offs, Kevin Lynch doesn't have a future with the Montreal Canadiens. Ryan Paling does. And it's important for him to be in all sorts of situations. The same can apply to Lucas Vedemo, and we, we saw him uh, affected in that way. And it was so with me complaining, I'm, I'm, I regularly complain about this. And the quote uh, from Sylvain Lefebvre, I was, I was obviously drawn to it. Uh, in his interview with TVI, he said, you want the prospects of the organization to have experiences they wouldn't necessarily have had otherwise. For example, keeping a young center on the ice for very important face-offs in the defensive zone at the end of the match. Um, and even knowing that, that he may not be the best, and, and I'm, I'm editorializing here, um, even knowing that he may not be the best person on the team to take that face off, even know that he may have been struggling, but it's important for him to go through that process. It's important for him to learn. It's important for him to be in that environment. Um, and he goes on to say, these are the deci- decisions like this that are not on paper, but when the youngster does the work, that's what makes a reward for us. So he's saying that there's, they don't necessarily, these kinds of decisions necess, don't necessarily show up in the standings, don't necessarily show up in playoff appearances, but they're extremely valuable and rewarding for the prospects. And, you know, um, I, I made that mention of that how many times the number of players who had been developed 
by Sylvain Lefebvre and, and the coaching group uh, mm-hmm. and had performed in the NHL. One year it was, it, there was 24 players. I'll have to go back and look at my list. I think 24 players who had played um, um, a number of games in the NHL that season, all developed by that crew in, in, uh, in Laval. Um, so I, I really found that um, it, it's, it's a completely different approach, uh, mm-hmm. but it's one that's focused on development and, and will pay off dividends long-term, not necessarily short-term uh, in the standings. And unfortunately, that's, that's where, you know, I understand that fans on Twitter mostly look at, at the end of the season, what, what, was, what, was, what were the stats for the team overall? How many wins? How many losses? Did you make the playoffs? And a lot of fans base the success of the team and the coaches off of those numbers. Um, not necessarily always keeping in mind that, while, yes, of course, you want the team to win. You want to do well. You you want to make the playoffs whenever you can in the AHL. You, obviously, every you want to win the Calder Cup. That'd be great, but that it can't come at the at the sacrifice of development. Um, and so, a lot of there's plenty of criticism around Montreal for Sylvain Lafave because you know they made they went to the playoffs once during his tenure. Uh, that was the the second year of the St. John's ice caps. Um, And a lot of fans will argue that he wasn't successful at developing prospects and players and so on and so forth. We've tried to lay out over the years, plenty of evidence to the opposite. Uh, We've never once, you know, we're not saying that Sylvain Lafayette is the perfect coach. We're not saying that he's, uh, you know, the best coach in the AHL. None of that but just laying out the evidence and the arguments that um, Sylvain Lefebvre was not deserving of quite all of the criticism that he received and all of the blame that was put on his shoulders, particularly when you see things like this. So as you say, Rick, you point out this quote where he's talking about, um, you know, is it a crucial point at the end of a game? And instead of going with the seasoned veteran that, you know, can can help you succeed in that situation and potentially win the game. Instead, you you see an opportunity to put a prospect in um, and and give them a learning opportunity. And it may, and they may step up to to the to the opportunity and step up to the plate and be able to to execute it, or it might not work out, and they might lose the game. But in the loss of the game was something positive gained in the development of the player by having the experience of doing whatever situation it is that you put them in. And that's, that's not something that fancy stats or even basic AHL stats is going to show you. Um, and I think that's where our frustration has come in over the years. You know, people, people who, who like to, to dig on Sylvain Lefebvre and don't understand that those kinds of development situations aren't things that you can just print out a piece of paper and point to it and show people where he was successful. Um, And so I appreciate that, that he's given these opportunities to kind of, you know, open up these little nuggets of information for people to, to see it's, we heard similar things from him in our discussions with him while he was a coach, but, but um, you know, it's just nice 
for people to be reminded of a different kind of coaching philosophy and one that I think was a bit more effective. Well, there's one more quote here in, um, in the interview where he says, um, you know, he talks about what you just said. People may see things differently. Um, mm-hmm. But when you're a coach at, at this level, it's what the organization asks you to, to do that's most important. Um, right. And when we are asked to develop, obviously we want to win. The competitor it, it absolutely wants to win. So uh, Sylvain Lefebvre isn't any less a competitor. He wants to win. Yeah, we, saw, we saw him yeah. after losses. And they hurt. The, some of the losses uh, really hurt. But he's not one. He's not. Um, the main difference is he doesn't need wins to feed his ego. He's self-assured. No. Uh, mm-hmm. He's comfortable in himself. He's, he's secure. He, he is a Stanley Cup winner. He knows who he is. He knows he's an excellent coach. He doesn't need those wins uh, to, to feed himself. Uh, like feed the ego, like, uh, uh, you know, a less experienced coach um, and um, who, who really thrives on, on, on that. Um, So I -hmm. I thought it was a a fascinating interview and, and uh, um, he's um, we, we should say he's part of the Gulls um, as uh, San Diego Gulls organization, the assistant there. Um, He aspires to be um, a head coach at, at, uh, uh, any level, he said, uh, in the future. But uh, for now, he's uh, happy uh, uh, with uh, Kevin Deneen and the coaching staff of, of San Diego. And I'm betting that the uh, that SoCal weather all during hockey season is <laughs> probably not too difficult to get used to. So uh, <laughs> uh, we, we wish nothing but good things for Sylvain Lefebvre. Uh, We are going to take one more quick break. When we come back, we're going to go beyond the AHL, and we're going to actually uh, take a peek at another interview that TV Sports did recently, uh, and that's with Zach Focali, and hear what he had to say uh, about some thoughts of his on the current goaltending situation in the Montreal Canadiens organization. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. 
Welcome back to From the Press Box here on the AHL Report. Once again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And you can find us on Twitter at the AHL Report. We recommend that you and all of your hockey-loving friends give us a follow there and uh, stay up to date all week long with all of the latest news. So, Rick, we just spoke about uh, an interview that TVL Sports did with Sylvain Lefebvre. And under his tutelage and, and his tenure uh, with the Montreal Canadiens organization, uh, very bright goaltending prospect uh, on during his time there was one Zachary Fakali. Um, at one point, uh, you know, Zach, uh, folks had pretty high hopes for Zach Fakali, particularly given, uh, given what his performances in junior hockey look like, uh, outstanding junior hockey um, resume and statistics. Um, and then, you know, he, he made that switch to pro sports and things got a little difficult. Um, you know, he, he's always been a Canadians fan was honored to be drafted and, and really hoped to play for the Canadians at some point. Um, but he ended up finding himself shuffled a lot between the AHL and the ECHL, uh, playing for the Brampton beast, um, did get to play with, with Laval uh, during their inaugural season uh, for a little bit. Um, and, you know, we had, we, it was pretty well understood by the time Fukali left the organization that he was pretty frustrated with things. Um, and a lot of that starts to come out in this interview he did with, with TVO sports uh, and also on where he thinks he would stack up right now in the goaltending depth chart in Montreal. And, and we remember that, um, that it was Mark Bergevin kind of responding to media pressure who said there was no um, homegrown goaltender in the uh, organization. So Mark Bergevin went out um, and bent a, a high draft pick, his second round draft pick, 36th overall, uh, for Zach Fucali. And um, as, as you said, his, he had a, a, a real special uh, junior hockey career um, with both the Ramparts and, and Mooseheads. And um, he's, you know, he, he, he was floating. He, he, he was the, the youngest goaltender ever to uh, uh, make it to a hundred victories in the queue. And, um, and after that he was floating and, and, um, that carried him um, to um, his his uh, the start of his pro career, and it wasn't quite as easy and as smooth um, there. Um, and you know, as far as a goaltender, Zach is uh, his his strength has been his athleticism. He's very athletic goaltending goaltender mm-hmm. uh, positioning wasn't always his thing, uh, but his downfall I think was always his his uh, mental focus. And Zach would, um, you know, if he made a great save, he would replay that in his head uh, for several minutes afterwards and, and sometimes get caught. Um, mm-hmm. And or if he gave up a bad goal, that would replay in his head. Um, and uh, he couldn't he couldn't drop that. And, and he worked so very hard on that. He worked very, very hard. We saw him um, in his all of his mental focusing exercises that he was doing. Um, and, and after he had that rough patch, he, he, um, understood that he had to, to work at things. Things didn't come as easy. He paid, 
he was a fanatic about his nutrition and, and uh, um, it, 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 so it's, it's not surprising that he looks back and, and the quote uh, kind of uh, reminded me a bit of, of Jonathan Drouin because he says, you ask any player and he'll tell you that his junior years were the best of his career. And um, I don't know if that, if that universally universally applies. Uh, I understand mm. why, why um, Zach's saying that. I understand why Jonathan Drouin said that when he went back to look at, at video of his junior career, but um, it's, it's something that's been hard for, for Zach to drop. And he's gone, uh, you know, he's, he uh, played in Brampton, ECHL and um, he, he, he played in the HL. We mentioned Chicago Wolves. Uh, he played there a while. Um, he played overseas in Munich. Of course, he was. Uh, he's been a hero uh, when it comes to the Spangler Cup the last few years and and uh, pl- outstanding um, championship uh, tournament style hockey. Um, so uh, you know, it's uh, he he kind of looks fa- longingly at the Canadian situation, looking for a backup and. And he said, um, you know, if I say no, I couldn't handle it. I'd be lying to you. He he thinks he could, um, but um, he he kind of chalks it up to to timing. Uh, that thing just didn't. He wasn't in the right place. His game was in the right place at the right time, and um, and the organization went in a different direction. Um, so I mean, he's a great guy. He's been great with us. You did that interview. He really. Yeah. Uh, with him the last summer and and uh he's always um been emotional and and his heart on his sleeve and and uh we wish the the best for him i i thought the the most interesting part of the interview uh was the end where zach got a bit cryptic and he mm-hmm. said um i know very well where i'm going but i can't announce it yet because the team hasn't made it public uh, the announcement will be made very soon. It's going to be quite a challenge. I will have the opportunity to prove many things. So stay Ooh. tuned. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, he, he knows how to spin a good story there and get people interested. And we'll see where he ends up. And hopefully it's uh, a perfect place for, for Zach to uh, prove um, uh, that he's the goaltender that um, he's always aspired to be. The conspiracy theorist in me for for good drama wants it to be, you know. I, he says, "I will have the opportunity to prove many things." What if what if the Marleys signed him? <laughs> what if he ended up playing against the Canadians, again, you know, against Laval, and have the opportunity to prove some things? Wouldn't that be fun? I have nothing to base that on. I'm pure speculation on my part, but. Um, who knows if he'll even be in North America? We we don't know, but uh, we wish we do wish Zach all the best. He's he's a he's a fantastic young man. Um, he's a very talented goaltender. I think he realizes that he's gone through some growing pains, um, and I I appreciate his maturity in that he didn't place 100% of the blame on Montreal's shoulders for him not ever cracking the NHL roster. That he said you know there were he said he believed that there were probably times the team was disappointed in him as well, um, you know, because his game just wasn't where it needed to be. So, you know, if there's one thing Zach Vocali has always been, I'm going to borrow a word that you use for him all the time, Rick, and that is a very cerebral 
uh, goaltender. He's in his head a lot. Um, and I think he takes, I think he thinks about his game constantly. Uh, so we wish him the best of luck and who knows, maybe once, once an announcement has been made on where he's going to go, we'll get in touch with Zach and, and have him on the show again to, to tell us about this next chapter in his journey. Um, as we know, the NCAA season came to an abrupt close thanks to the coronavirus. Um, and uh, as such, you know, there's been some movement of players and so forth. One player in particular for the Montreal Canadiens that's been of interest was Cole Caulfield playing for the Wisconsin Badgers this past year in his freshman season. Um, and after some hints from Mark Bergevin, uh, you know, it was also finalized through Cole Caulfield and, and his head coach, Tony Granato, that in fact, Cole Caulfield would not be coming to the Canadians. He would go back to the NCAA for another season, uh, which we mentioned multiple times on this show that we felt was completely the right decision for him to continue his development in the NCAA. Um, but Rick, it's not Cole Caulfield who's uh, the headline out of the Wisconsin Badgers uh, locker room as far as their um, awards for their 2019-20 season, it was his teammate Roman Akan who ended up being the team MVP. Um, and I, I'd have to say that that's a pretty well deserved uh, honor. When we when we saw Wisconsin, uh, Akan was was pretty noticeable out there, wouldn't you think? I think so. Um... Roman Ashan, uh, brother of Jack Ashan, and, and we know Jack Ashan had a terrific year um, this past year uh, for St. Cloud, um, and he recently uh, signed as, an unre- uh, as a free agent uh, with the Boston Bruins. Um, so his brother, um, Roman, um, has won the team MVP, and, you know, um, it was, it's, it's nice for um, uh, Cole Caulfield to win the Mark Johnson Rookie of the Year award, and and we're talking about um, we're talking about the the award for the Wisconsin Badgers, the team award, not mm-hmm. the not the league awards. We know Alex Newhook was named uh, the NCAA Rookie of the Year, uh, uh, played for Boston College, uh, called the Tim Taylor Award. We would have liked to see if if Cole Caulfield had a had a great season. We would have liked to see him in contention for that. We also would have liked to see, and, and maybe uh, this is something for um, Caulfield to shoot for, uh, and, and is, a, is a good reason that he's going back to Wisconsin, uh, for him to shoot for the team's MVP uh, winner, uh, as you said, w- uh, won by Roman Ashan. Um, also, um, uh, there's another award on the, on the player, on the, on the, um, team and it's the player who's the most consistent, the Joe Pavelski most consistent player, uh, and that was worn uh, won by Dylan Holloway who uh, w- is eligible for the the 2020 draft. We we'll also want to see uh, Caulfield um, vie for that most consistent, and we know that he wasn't um, consistent on both a uh, game to game and and wasn't consistent on both ends of the ice. So he has. I think it's it's uh, congratulations to him for winning uh, the team rookie the rookie uh, award. Um, mm-hmm. But we want to see him 
um, there, there's, there's, there's reasons why he's going back and we want to see him focus on all aspects of his game uh, to be more, um, to go in and dominate and be more important to, uh, to his team uh, next season. And I, absolutely. And I, I think we'll see that happen with him. I think, I think his sophomore year uh, could be, could be a pretty big deal for him uh, and uh, Tony Granado's Badgers. So Congratulations to Cole Caulfield. Congratulations to Roman Ashan and the rest of the awardees from the Wisconsin Badgers hockey team. Before we go uh, and wrap up for today, I can't leave us without a feel good finale. Um, Story for this week uh, is close to home for me. Um, which was, it's always a delightful surprise when, when I see stories that are um, local uh, either for, for you in Montreal or, or for, for us here in, in Pennsylvania. And this time, this story comes from Bucks County, Pennsylvania. If you're not from the Pennsylvania area, uh, Bucks County is, is just slightly North of Philadelphia. Uh, It's a very beautiful County, one of the wealthier counties in the state, um, very old homes, old plots of land, uh, all sorts of history, that kind of thing. And there's a woman um, who grew up in the Delaware Valley of Pennsylvania, who is now um, a best-selling author from New York City. Her name is Maureen Johnson, but her parents, who are in their 70s, still live in Bucks County, uh, where she grew up. And so her mother, um, you know, is they're stuck in the house during COVID-19 craziness. And so um, wanted to add some fresh flowers to the house. So she called up her favorite um, garden center that she always goes to down the road called Castle's Garden Center. Uh, and she just ordered some flowers to be delivered and dropped off um, on the porch. And so um, while she was on the phone with, with the, the, shop owners at Castle's Garden Center. She, of course, you know, was going on about how she was doing and it's, oh, I promised my daughter that I wouldn't leave the house because of Pennsylvania's on a stay at home and order um, and, and so on and so forth. Well, much to her surprise, um, when the delivery driver from the garden center dropped off the flowers that she had, her mom had ordered, he said, now hold on a second. We have something for you. The delivery driver goes back to the truck and brings back to the porch an enormous bag of hot meals and multiple bags of groceries, all for this woman. And he said, when you called, you had told us that you promised your daughter not to go out. And we were worried that maybe because you haven't been out, that maybe you guys were short on food. So we bought some. (laughs) Uh, And sure enough, um, the garden center um, went and, and there's a, there's another community person uh, group that's making all these hot meals. So they went and got the hot meals from this community center. um, And then they went and bought uh, her, her daughter basically says, I'm pretty sure that the flower center spent more on the groceries that they bought my mom than she did on the flowers that she ordered and they refused to take any money for any of it. They just wanted to make sure that she had plenty of food to eat and some hot meals uh, as well. And I just thought that that was just a lovely, um, a lovely gesture, you know, 
they didn't even know what her food situation was like, but they were worried that maybe she didn't have any foods and she did promise her daughter she wouldn't go out of the house. Um, so nice job, Castle Fantastic. Garden Center. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and uh, apparently they've been, they've been running this garden center since uh, the early eighties. It's a family run garden center. So um, just a, Wonderful little feel-good finale. Love to hear these things, these stories about people doing nice things and, and good-natured, good-hearted things for others during this this really difficult time that we're all living through. And, um, yeah, like, and it was a local one. I, I like that a lot. And I guess that brings us, my goodness, did are we done already? We just, we f- absolutely flew through this episode. There was just so much to talk about today, Rick. Um but I know that you're anxious to go either have a taco or a hoagie. So we should really allow you to do that. <laughs> Sub sandwich. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. Sub sandwich. Um, well, we thank you so much for, for being here with us. Of course, uh, we want you all to stay safe, stay healthy, practice good social distancing. Don't go out if you don't have to uh, really uh, just keep you and your families safe We've got uh, plenty of news to keep bringing you every week, so we're glad you're here with us. And Rick, same to you. Uh, wishing, wishing you all the best as well. And we'll be back here again next week with uh, more great content. In fact, we had a top five that we didn't have time to get to today that we're going to make sure that we squeeze in next week. I think it's going to be a good one. I think there's going to be some controversy. Always. Always. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy your week. Enjoy the weather. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here again next week on another great episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. And keep on.